Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. LMFM Podcasts with CNC Carpets. We bring the showroom to you. Or you can book a personal consultation at our fabulous new showroom in Moortown, Dramiskin. Call 087-660-40-237 or visit our website at cnccarpets.com to book an appointment. CNC Carpets for all your carpet and wood flooring needs. You're very welcome to Thursday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. We're grateful to have you with us on the show, as we always are, every single day. Lots of chat to come, as usual, over the next couple of hours. And if you'd like to join in the conversation, do save the usual number, 086-1800-658. You could WhatsApp or text us on that number at any stage. That's 086-1800-658. Later on in the show, oh, I'm looking forward to meeting one of my youngest guests ever, Yes, and she has a very special title this year on the run-up to the end of the year. That's all I'll tell you. She'll be with me a little bit later on, and she's lovely. But first off today on the show, a music festival without a drink in sight. Yes, it's a fact. It's happening, and it's happening soon. And you'll probably say, no drink at a music festival. You're codding me. I ain't codding you. And the man who's putting it on and knows all about it joins me on Late Lunch. Garod Thieven, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jerry, for this opportunity and to um, thanks to listeners for, for uh, joining in. Not at all. You're very welcome. Anyway, you know, people will say, come on, you're pulling me leg here. What's the, the premise behind it? Tell us, please. The premise behind it, very simply, I, I'm, re- I'm coming from an alcoholic background myself. I'm 12 years in sobriety, a day at a time, thank God. And um, I said to myself that uh, why not embrace uh, a spiritual healing festival with no alcohol? Mm. I'm sure. I'm sure there's a lot of your listeners that uh, would only would only love the opportunity to have uh, something like this in in the in the area to attend to. Mm. Oh, I'm sure there are, and I know there are for sure. And when you say no alcohol, no drugs of any sort, because alcohol, of course, is a drug. Nothing. Nothing. No. So it it, it gives it gives people um, a, a safe space to gather, and in a ceremonial way, mm. and a, a prayerful way. It, it's going to be a, a very deep um, ceremony involving some fantastic elders from this country and from Mexico and um, North America to join in this celebration of unity and to to try and um, manifest a healing bridge in in our local areas and beyond, north and south. Yes, so Healing Bridges is the name of the festival. And it's happening just uh, while we're on it. Where and when? It's happened on our home sacred land here in Cavan, through Manny Spirit, is the location. And uh, it is um, on from tomorrow, tomorrow evening, 26th, Saturday the 27th, and Sunday the 28th. Okay. And the closing ceremony will be Sunday evening. At 8pm. 
And as you said, you have a res- uh, you have a, a a fine lineup of of musicians and people from not alone this country from but from around the world as well. When you mention Dramani Spirit, this is a a healing retreat that you've uh, been part and parcel of there for a number of years. So would this, may I say, be an extension of that? It it is, of course, yes, and and this will be the the largest um, gathering that we will have had to date. Mm. Um, typically, prior to this, there was a, a lot of uh, smaller smaller gatherings. Yes, but but it, again, for for this event, you're you're talking two fifty, two hundred fifty um, people on mm. on 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 the day, on the busiest day. Uh, so it's still u- unique and. Um, Intimate, yes, and it, it gives people uh, that opportunity to to sit around, uh, chat, meet other people that are, are um, like-minded, and they'll no doubt um, get acquainted to other friends for for um, future meetings, and, and they'll have a a joyful weekend in doing that. Yeah, come back to yourself. You mentioned you are a recovering alcoholic. When did drink take hold of you? You know, at what age did you? When did you take your first drink? May I ask? Oh, I took my first drink drink when I was uh, fourteen. Yeah, young. You were young, and and did you like it from the word go? Did you take it on from there, or did you just, you know, sometimes you taste it at fourteen and leave it be till a bit later, or what happened? Uh, yeah, more so the effect. Hmm. More so the idea is the effect, you know, and, and I mean, it, it it didn't become a problem until later in my um, late teens, early 20s, that the, the uh, progression started to um, to really take hold. And family and friends were really um, worried about me and concerned and it, it voiced that to me. And, and, and I was in a total denial of that fact and... Uh, didn't want to address it. Mm. So the years passed and, and uh, it, it got worse and worse and, and um, it, it, uh, it just destroyed a part of my life uh, in, in, in a lot of ways. Yes. Then in, in looking back, 20, 2010 was the, was the year that I, um, I got sobriety. And, um, what age were you then? Twelve years. Um, yeah, you're, 12 you're, years yeah, you're sober. twelve years sober now. What age were you in 2010 when when the penny finally dropped with you? Uh, I was forty. So you're literally saying to me when you say late teens, twenty, this thing called alcohol ruled your life for the guts of twenty years. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But it, I, again, it's it, the progression of it. You know, when yeah. I look back, when I reflect on those twenty years. Uh, I, I can pinpoint that it definitely started in my late teens, early twenties. Mm. Uh, but as the years passed, the the troubles that it brought um, got more frequent, mm. and uh, the denial was still there. You know, and and, and uh, any of your listeners that that are in in that um, in that situation will 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 identify with that. Mm. But, the, but the one thing I, I will always uh, emphasize it. Uh, if, if you're struggling with with alcoholism, it's just to seek help. The help is out there, and and that's when I really um, got got the uh, when I got the courage to ask for help. Yes, it, it, it was an incredible release, mm. and um, I just embraced it. I didn't mess around. I just embraced the the suggested help mm. through through AA and. Um, Great people that are in, in, in that network. Yes. And uh, done the suggested things, and 12 years have, have um, led to um, a lot more clarity for me to live a purposeful life. Yes. And a unique space for this weekend, which I've no doubt is part of this journey that I'm on. Mm. And, 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 and I just want to share that with with people that are still struggling in, in a lot of different ways. Depression, alcoholism, it brings all all of those factors. And I, I feel that um, it's important to, to put the voice out there and, and make people aware that the help is there. Yes. Uh, Can I ask you, did you drink every day? No. 
so the, you had sessions, so to speak, when you drank a lot and, and uh, it had an effect on you. We, we, I know you have children and uh, a family and lovely family, etc. Now, were you married at the time? Did you have children at the time you were going through these struggles? Uh, I was, yes, indeed. I was, yeah. And, and I have um, fantastic support from, from my uh, my dearest wife. Mm. Um, and uh, my two sons, Joby and Shannon, and my daughter, Nolene. But when you when you mentioned, did I drink every day? No, I didn't. But when I didn't, uh, the, the period that I didn't, I was always lining up a, a reward for myself because I was trying to prove to people that I could stop for a, a mm. week or two weeks or a month. Uh, but the reward was always there that when... I, I would start. Uh, my problem was I couldn't stop. Yes, and I, I see you quoted on that, uh, that you say that when you can't have one drink and leave it, then you certainly have a problem. Um, what What made you, I, I'm curious just to come back to that point, was there a defining moment or something, or did you reach a stage in 2010 where you sought that help you mentioned there, or how did it dawn on you that this had to stop? Yeah, well, it's uh, it really. Um, I, I I just seen the, the the trauma that was evident within my own family, and um, I I ended up going going to uh, meet uh, a sister, Catherine Lillis, in Tabor House in Navan, who who has lots of experience in treating people from all addictions. And when I sat in her presence and uh, explained my story to Dave at that time, uh, which I was still playing the card that a drink wasn't the problem, mm. everything else was. But she, <laughs> she was the first person that um, looked at me and she says, do you want to hear the truth? And I knew that she, she was able to read exactly how my uh, thought process was working and, and um, I, I just um, put up the white flag and, and uh, let her, let her um, explain what what route I should take. Mm. And uh, I didn't, I didn't hold back. And, and again, from that day, uh, and especially the people I met through treatment, uh, all, all highly qualified and, and in their own right. And then uh, it. it it just opened doors for me and, and it, it continue, continues to do so. Yes, and you and, see, and I, you mentioned the white flag. You were receptive. You wanted this. You reached a point in your life where you said, no, this has to stop and away we go from there. Look, on the positive, I, I, I don't want to, to, you know, dwell on on, on on that time, but you're fantastic and, and the way you've overed it. But now, look at you now. You're farming and you're growing spuds and hemp and, hey, you did a great job to that patch. Yeah, that that, uh, that beautiful cottage is um, the original building that was built on on that uh, that homeland, and uh, I have um, utmost respect for the families that lived there mm. prior prior to us uh, creating a home there for ourselves. Yes. Uh, I've I've lovely memories of my parents bringing me up there as as a, as a child to meet the Burns that lived there, and and. When the opportunity, when my my uncle Jim, God rest him, gifted me the land, um, I wanted to um, restore that house at some stage. So it it has happened in in the last uh, three years. Yeah, it looks great. I was looking at the pictures. I love Thatch myself. You said a little while back, just to focus on the land and and what the land means to you and the connection with it, that the land is sacred. You must then worry with, with all that's happening this earth of ours, including your little holding, the whole aspect of climate change and what's going on there. Yes, but again, we we, we have to be under no illusion that um, we all play a part in in rectifying that. Mm. And, and there's pockets of that happening throughout the country. You know, there's amazing work being done. Yes. And it, it's not being highlighted. And uh, it, it, it is, that change is happening. And it, it's like events like this that um, will really spark that on to another level. Mm. 
and uh, with with the war in Ukraine this year, that I feel Ireland as a whole will will um, will be a changed country in five years. We'll be growing a lot more crops yes. in this country, and the soils are rich that they're well able to grow. Well, mm. well able to accommodate growing crops in this country. Mm. Um, what spuds are you growing this year? What varieties have you? I'm growing two organic varieties, um, Orla and Satanta. Yes. Yeah. Lovely potatoes. I've, I've, I, I, I dabble at the old garden in myself, and I've, I know what you're talking about. I've, I've grown them in the past as well, two fine varieties too. Um, so this weekend, uh, the festival, uh, let's come back to that, at Dramani Spirit in County Cavan, Healing Bridges, it's called. Have you still opportunity, if anyone listening to us today wanted to go along? Yeah, I, I'd, I'd advise anyone that um, that would like to attend is to log on to www.eventbrite.com mm. and they'll get the information there and the, the choice of tickets that that are available still. Okay. And uh, you can log on to Instagram or uh, Facebook and find out the lineup of the very talented and gifted people that are that are holding workshops and uh, musicians of, of various kinds that um, will be unique on on the weekend that's happening. Well, look, just wanted to touch base with you. You have a great story. You're going great guns and uh, long may it last. And you've turned your life around from a, a very difficult time and a long time, over two decades. And this weekend, as I mentioned a little earlier, is another st- uh, step in the right direction for you. It's called Healing Bridges, folks. It's happening at Dramani Spirit in Cavan. And you can look it up on eventbrite.ie. I wish you well, Garode. Thank you for this opportunity, Terry. None at all. Thank you for joining me on the show. I do appreciate it. That's Garod Teven there. He is a wonderful life story, uh, where he's come from and to where he is today. And just to say again, Healing Bridges, look it up on eventbrite.ie and you can find out all the information there. No alcohol, no drugs of any sort, none of that. Lots of music and interesting people attending. If it rings a bell with you, do check it out. And the weather's to be lovely as well this weekend. Louise, do you remember your first day at school? Primary? Yes. Vividly, yeah. Do you remember actually? Your prim- I remember the start. I remember the last bit. I don't remember the bit in the middle. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to say it. I'm going to hold back. I could. I could really. I could put the ball in the net there, but I'm not going to. Uh, you've kept that with you all your life. Anyway, the, 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 the beginning and the end. No, I remember no, like sitting seriously. up on the table and my mother putting ringlets in my hair. Do you? And I remember we were meant to get a lift. My my first cousin, God rest her, was, was starting the same day as me in the same yes. class. So my aunt came to get us and I don't know what, but anyway, it didn't happen. So we had to get another aunt to drop me in because my parents didn't drive. Okay. So that part I remember. <laughs> I remember going in because there was no nursery or Montessori. So no. you never met any, any of these people first before, time. just my first yeah. cousin. Mm. And there was 10 of us put in with senior infants. I remember that. And then... I remember two o'clock home time and everybody disappeared from the class. And I was playing in the little kind of tent at the back of the class, you know, the kind of play tent. Yeah. And all the kids one by one disappeared, all the parents collected from the class and, and I was left own. and I started crying. I thought, Aww. this is it, no one's going to collect me and I'm here forever. Oh, Louise. This is my new house. And then my daddy arrived. Ah, great. Yeah. yeah all's well that ends well. Mm. But the bit in the middle is a bit of a blur. I, yeah, I mean, the you important know what? bit in the you're, middle. You're great even, <laughs> no, you're great even to remember that. I have sort of a vague memory of the first day in primary school and going in as well. It was the Sisters of Charity primary school I went to. No longer there. It'll be the civic offices in Drogheda now in the future. I remember going in and I have memories of that. You know, vague memories of it. That's all. And again, as you said, there was no play school or Montessori or anything like that. But I have vivid memories, and I'm sure you did too, when you went from primary to secondary school, I'd say. I'd say those memories are are clearer. Well, mine are very clear. You know, you're at an Mm. age then. But thinking back to primary School. And the reason I talk about it, I just noticed uh, some of the schools are back today, even in yeah, for half days. My of son that. was back in. Was for he? Short uh, time, yeah, yeah, I just and that's what what brought that to mind. 
But we'll come back to this a little in a little while on the show. The secondary school memories. Native trees are so important in this we on this wee island of ours. As you know, well, we don't have enough trees. That is the bottom line. And especially native varieties. My next guest is someone who is, has a huge interest in this area because he works with the Gaelic Woodland Project. I'm delighted to say hello to Owen Connachton. Hello, Owen. Hello, Jerry. Thanks for having me. Not at all. I heard you got your hair done for the interview. Uh, I did, and I got, the, I got my shirt to match. <laughs> well, let us just imagine you're looking great, Owen. Anyway, thank you for joining me on the show. This is something close to my heart, I have to say. Give us a feel for what this project is about. Invasive species, are they everywhere, and have they taken over? Yes. Uh, yes, well, the one that we're focusing on is called Cherry Laurel, mm. uh, which you can buy in a garden centre. So what really uh, this Pandora box um, is is destroying our native forest because people keep buying this uh, ornamental plant, putting it in the garden, and then the birds will eat the seeds or the berries. And when they drop the seeds into woodland soil, mm. uh, the cherry laurel will excel and these are shrubs but when they're in a rich forest floor they turn into trees uh, they're poisonous so they're not grazed upon by the deer the deer will eat everything else but these are undisturbed they're evergreen and in time they'll eventually create this permanent shadow blanket so it just wipes out the biodiversity not only the flowers the grasses the mosses but it also stops new trees from growing which means in time when the larger trees fall, there's nothing there to replace them. So the cherry laurel is your number one target. What about rhododendrons? Aren't they an invasive species as well? They are. There are 24 uh, invasive species on the uh, the Register of Invasive Species. That's right. the Bird and Habitat Directive 2011. But cherry laurel isn't on the list because oh. I've been told uh, there's not enough funding available to do the national risk assessment. Okay, but you can tell from boots on the ground that this is a big problem. Oh, it is, it is. And all different government departments would agree with me on that. Uh, It's just not put onto paper. So we've gotten teams together, volunteers with handheld tools to go out and to remove it from uh, the Kaline Manor um, in the Boeing catchment. And because it's a softwood, we're going through it like more efficiently than I had uh, optimistically hoped. Okay, so you and teams of volunteers are actually tackling this head-on, taking it out. There's a lot of uh, blood, sweat and tears, I'm sure, in this as well. And when you take it, let me ask you this, when you take it out, I suppose you have to be careful that you don't (laughs) spread more seed when you're you're taking it down. I presume you get it before the seed is ripened to fall on the ground. What do you do with it then? Or is there any purpose for it? Or do you just let it rot into the soil in the woodland? Well, I think now at the moment, conventional treatment. So um, there's a 30-acre infestation in Hazelwood Forest in Sligo, which is one of our few remaining ancient woodlands. Mm. That is costing, uh, I think it's uh, 200 million euro. Don't quote me on that. But I believe it's in that range to remove that. And what happens, it's cut with machines and it's chipped and it's just left on the floor. Okay. Uh, the reason why it has to be chipped is because it's a tenacious plant and if a single branch is left on the floor, that branch can grow back into mm. a full shrub. Okay. You've got to respect that. So what we're doing is we're laying out a tarp and we're removing all the smaller branches. We're putting it onto the tarp so it can't be rooted. And then we're taking the wood and we're stacking it, we're cutting it, we're stacking it, we're drying it, and we're going to donate it in the winter as firewood. And is it good for that purpose when it's well dry? Yeah, it's got a high calorific content. It'll burn well. And this, we want to demonstrate the, uh, the value of this, uh, the value, the potential in this crisis is that we can turn something that we're, at the moment, just tossing money into a hole, trying to get rid of it. <laughs> and as we get rid of it, people are planting these in their gardens and the seeds are reinfecting. Uh, so it's just a never-ending cycle. The snake is eating itself. And what we want to do is demonstrate that this is actually a biofuel. And especially coming into the energy crisis in the winter, to have that resource locally available. So this is island-wide, so it's locally available. The softwood, we're removing it with garden tools. So if we can do it. Uh, we want other people to know that this is available for them. You can save a bit of money, you can heat the house, and uh, and in the process, you're actually protecting the few native forests that we have left. 
This is a win-win, uh, listening to you all round, and an incentive uh, to encourage others to go and help with the removal, because there is a reward, as you say, in terms of the, of the fuel when you dry it out. How do you progress this? Because I have to, to be fair, you, you are well-meaning and a fine group in the Gaelic Woodland Project, but you're never going to uh, tackle this seriously. You know what I'm saying? You know, I'm not... I'm not trying to knock you in any way, but you know what I'm getting at. How do you, uh, you know, build this up into a greater movement that really tackles this? Well, that's why I'm here, Jerry. <laughs> Great we, answer. We want to empower people. So uh, we're hoping next year to have a methodology, a how-to guide, so people know uh, how to remove this from the forest safely. And people can take care of their own woodlands. Mm. Uh, the, the thing is, most wouldn't know what a cherry laurel shrub looks like. But if you go for a walk in a native forest in the middle of winter when all the native trees, we've only got uh, three conifer trees, uh, native conifer trees. So if you go into the forest in the middle of winter, the green leaves you see are most likely either rhododendron or cherry laurel. Yeah. And when you go out in winter and you see that green, you get a, a fairly good idea of how serious this problem is. Um, it's something that I have noticed in the past and you are so right that you will see them and they do stand out at that time of year so you are trying to um, create this movement that I'm talking about you're not or are you asking for official channels you know like the people who look after our forest in Ireland where do they stand on this Quilche? Uh, Quilche we haven't spoken much with Quilche we have spoken with the, uh, the National Parks and Wildlife yeah. Service the Irish Bioenergy Association, and we've also uh, submitted a petition for integrated invasive species management to the uh, Citizens Assembly on Biodiversity. Okay. So we're taking step by step, and we will be reaching out to Quilcher to, to get into a, a more forests. Um, but for the time being, we're just doing the work slowly, tipping away. We've got some really exciting things coming up down the line. We're hoping to use uh, mushrooms, fungi, as a bioherbicide as a, a natural-based alternative to conventional herbicide, which is liquid death. It, uh, it, it damages uh, the worms in the soil, the bacteria in the soil. Yes. Uh, it's really, really bad stuff. So we want to use fungi. We're after finding a fungi that is only uh, known to attack this shrub. So with the permission from the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, we'll hopefully be completing the methodology and providing a solution to the problem where we get the reward I also hear these things, not only good firewood, but also good hurls as well. Uh, I hear they make a fine hurl. They have the consistency of ash when they're dried. Um, mm. And then we have the fungus to uh, to treat it after. So when that's done, we're going to send it out to GAA clubs, uh, tidy towns. We want everyone to know about it. We want everyone to get out into the forest. Because everyone who's come out with us, we started with five volunteers. Now we've got 11 and we're building up. Everyone loves it. Everyone has a ball. We, have, we, have, we play the music, we have the crack, <laughs> we have the kyol, and we have a, a big meal at the end of it. And even at the end of the day, you're tired. So when are we going to go again? There's something really nurturing about the work. Yes, yeah, I, I feel it, and I feel your enthusiasm for it as well. There are three strands there that you mentioned to what you're doing, and, and they are all interesting. Um, you mentioned Kaline. Uh, what's happening in Old Castle? Well, so uh, the project began as an idea. We wanted to create a commemorative forest uh, dedicated to uh, Ireland and the Irish diaspora. So the idea is we want to plant a forest near Old Castle. uh, And then in 2045, we're going to place a standing stone to commemorate the famine. 200 year anniversary. So we're thinking ahead. And at the moment, we're just collecting donations. We've hit 25% of our target. Uh, all the donations we receive are going into a, a land purchasing kitty. So everything, and we're all volunteers, everything is going into just buying land. So my belief is that the people of Ireland want this, and if they know about it, they'll get on board. So we're collecting the donations, and then uh, next year, hopefully, we'll be working with registered foresters to turn it into a new native woodland, which we'll cultivate uh, as time goes by and turn it into an ecologically complex Cleared woodland for Meath, which is the most least forested county in Ireland. 
So it'll be a great amenity for the area. Mm. Yeah, because the country, as you know, we were really short on trees. And we're going to emphasise again, native trees are, are the yeah. thing. And the density, yes, mead leads the way in, in, in low density, but it, it's, a, it's an issue all over. Would uh, garden centres help you and places that sell these cherry laurels if they decided not to stock them or sell them anymore? That surely would be a help too, wouldn't it? It would. Yes, it would. Uh, our numbers are small, so there's a, a core group of us that are skill sharing for this project. So we can't do everything at the same time we'd love mm. to. Uh, if anybody wants to help, if any of your listeners want to get on board, uh, they can reach out to us. Um, but yes, later on down the line, we will be reaching out to the garden centres to, to talk to them. There's, there's a conversation that needs to happen, not only with private businesses, because it's a private business, you know, but also at the government level and policy. Mm, for sure, for sure. I, I I love what you're about, I have to say. That's why I wanted to chat to you today, because this is something that needs addressing and can be a help down the road for this country hugely. So the Gaelic Woodland Project, if anyone wants to find out more about you, are you on the web? What's the story on social media? We- we are most active on Instagram, I suppose. Okay. The visuals are always great. People yeah. can see what we're doing. But uh, if you go onto our website, you can see we've got blogs, we've got petitions. You can donate there, uh, which I, I hope your listeners consider. And uh, and they can reach out as well through that website. And if they want to get involved, just share what, what's your motivation, what's your skill, and where are you based? And we'll 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 find we'll find something for you to do. I know you will. Anyway, there's a shortage of ash for the hurls. You know that already. The commons, there's a huge shortage, and you're telling me that this timber dried out from an invasive species uh, will make a good hurl. Perhaps there's an opportunity there as well to test that one out. Uh, but look, um, you, you you are. Great people, and I, I see where you're going with this, and I'm sure your numbers are only going to grow over the uh, coming uh, periods of time. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I really enjoyed our conversation. I really appreciate the opportunity, Jerry. Thank you very much. Thank you indeed. Take care. That's Owen Connachton there from the Gaelic Woodland Project. Look them up, the Gaelic Woodland Project. What they're doing makes sense. You know, the invasive species versus are native and uh, perhaps it's something you'd like to get involved in. They have great track, they're a young crew and they go out and enjoy what they do and you exercise and you sweat and uh, you enjoy everything else besides and make new friends and doing something good on your days off. Uh, Give it a shout, check it out, it'd be great. They'd love people, more people to join with. James and sit down on your late lunch this Thursday afternoon. Two dedications for Miss Cecilia Quine, who's listening to us in Kildare this afternoon. One of our favourite songs for you, Celia. And also for our Margaret, Margaret Keegan. I know she's listening to us, Louise, today in Beaumont. And that comes in from the Keegans, the Kellys and the Flynns. And we wish her well and we're delighted she's tuned in. And the song says it all. Margaret's <laughs> going to have to sit down for a little while now because she's always running around, Louise. Always Helping walking. everybody else and walking and you name it. And uh, she's uh, going great guns. That's for you, Margaret, this afternoon from all of us here. Now, schools and uh, Schools are back today. We see people moving about all over the place. Louise, your first day in secondary school. You had great memories of the primary school. What about Talk secondary about school? regression. Need <laughs> <laughs> counselling at half three. <laughs> the teachers, is it? <sighs> or you? <laughs> <laughs> I think the teachers need the counselling years ago, Jerry. Do you remember your first day when you shifted from primary to secondary? Where did you yeah. go to secondary school? Mercy and Mercy. So mm. I just had to go around the corner literally the school behind I the see, school. See, so it's yes. grand. And I knew all the girls that were going to the secondary, so it was no real problem there. Um and I just remember going in and a few memories. Matt's class, I had Mr. Leahy, who is the dad of Avine of the, the Mead Footballers. Yes. Uh Leahy. And um he played Chinese Whispers with us. Good man. Which is great. What yeah, a first day. You yeah, thought every, every day is like this. Isn't this just oh, a we doddle? Thought, we thought we had scored it <laughs> with him. And then um, I had my French teacher. We never did French before. And her name was Miss McCarney. Brilliant teacher, but you you worked for her like, you know. Yes. And she, my very, very, very 
first French word Come ever. on, come on, tell me. It was me. called a poule de trottoir. I'll never forget. Poule is that. a chicken, isn't it? Poule is a, is a chicken or a or hen. hen. Okay. So it, it translates as hen of the footpath. Oh, very good. Yeah. Very good. But there it you go. means lady of the night. <laughs> Did she realise? Did she realise she was teaching you a word? Oh yeah, yeah. I think she she knew she'd get the shocked faces of the thirteen-year-olds. You know, yeah, yeah. There you go. So it's that's great. that's your memories. I I can remember, like yourself. I went to the Chris the CBS, the cabbage, bacon, and spuds, uh, CBS <laughs> primary, and then uh, into secondary school. And I have to say, they were close by as well. I will always remember this, and I may have mentioned it before. You see. I was the first to go to secondary school in my family. And, you know, we got all the books. We had all the books. Unlike today, we had all the books and copy books and everything. And my mother sent mm. me off <laughs> with every book and copy book in this ginormous bag. You'd be like a cockroach if you fell on your back. Wait till I tell you. Wouldn't get up. I, I needed a brace for me back by the time <laughs> I got home from school. And when I arrived in... I was the only one with that bag packed with stuff. Everyone else had a pen and a copybook. <laughs> <laughs> and here I am. And you have to bring them all the way home again? Sure I did. <laughs> <laughs> and I went home and I said, Mother of God, <laughs> what have you made me out to be? I remember that going to. Mm. And I remember my first class was with Con McGinley, who was a guest of mine on this show. He was taking his first ever class as a teacher. And he took us in first year, class 10 in the CBS that day for first class when I and was did in. did he stay as a teacher after He did, that? he did. And Conmood on, and he was principal and in Dublin and Dundalk and everything. A long, stellar career in education. And actually, one, the last time he was in me on late lunch, do you know what he gave me? I have it. The roll call from that first class. No way. Yes. All the names on it. Wow. All the names of the lads that I was at school. And it's sad to see you. A small number of them have passed on at this stage, oh. you know what I mean, when you when you look at it. But uh, yeah, that brought back great memories. But I remember that first day <laughs> trekking up the road and me spying into... It's it's, it's a wonder Your not walking... Your mother had method to her madness because she reckoned you'd be too exhausted to start talking through class. <laughs> well, that was only the first day. From day two, I was on my way. <laughs> I was shy and quiet and reserved yeah, in school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Louise, I was. Mm. I was a very shy mm. child and very shy in school and really didn't come forward on anything mm. at all. I sat back and kept shtum at the back of the class. I really did. Mm. Honest to God. Mm. <laughs> not April Fool's Day. Right? No, honestly. <laughs> honestly, I'm not telling you. I came out of Michelle though since. <laughs> That's, That's an sure. understatement. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, first day school memories. Good luck to everybody starting school today. Lots in for just a few hours with the main bulk of students actually returning next week to school at primary and secondary level and you know it is a time of anxiety for various reasons no matter what age you are you know changing class changing school primary to secondary first day in primary school all that type of thing well Dr Mary O'Kane knows the score and she's with us on late lunch next no matter what we say change in life normally equals anxiety and there's lots of change happening across the northeast and right around the country at the moment in families with children starting school, changing schools, moving classes. You know what I'm talking about. Well, we have someone to help today on Late Lunch. She's a lecturer in psychology and early childhood learning with Manitou University and author of the brilliant book, Perfectly Imperfect Parenting. I'm delighted to say hello again to Dr. Mary O'Kane. Hi, Mary. Hi, Gary. Lovely to talk to you again. I was listening to yourself and Louise there talking about your first days and all the memories. It brings it all back, doesn't it? It does. And you know, isn't it a thing? And I know you picked up on it. You were chatting to Louise before we came on. Louise still has a vivid memory of, you know, not being collected. The last child in the school when she started that day. So let's begin for there with parents and children starting school. It's an anxious time. What do you have to say to those parents? Oh, it is. And funny, Jerry, we build up to it so much. All over the summer, we're building up to it. At this point, they're starting on different days next week. I know different schools are coming in on different days. Most of the junior infants have a short week next mm. week. So they're not finished at 2 o'clock last summer, finished by 12 or so. So I'm saying to parents, at this point, start thinking about routine. And I know parents are like, oh, no, give me my last bit of summer holidays. But honestly, it's easier if you can just 
ease them back into the routine. And usually it seems like getting them to bed that little bit earlier, less time on the iPad for the old ones, getting up a bit earlier. So rather than just launch into it, try to start sort of nearly from today, getting slowly back in to just getting back into that routine or whatever. It's funny, when when you're facing a big transition, particularly for younger kids, and they're facing something like going back into to school, getting back into those little routines really helps everything just feel normal. And it helps with normality, you know? So you're just getting back into those systems. And even if you think about um, things like to sort of build the excitement as well, start talking about it now, you know, what would they like to take for their lunch? And you might be covering books and you might be going out getting those last minute bits, you know, the new colouring pencils. And so you're just slowly building them back in and, and be really positive about it. You, know, you don't want them to feel like this is like, oh, I'm going to school or I'm going back to mm. school. You want to talk about it in a positive way. You know, new teachers, like even if they're moving up a class, you know, oh, new teacher this year and talk about the teacher and oh, you'll be learning new things and, and even new friendships. Just very often there might be one or two kids who drop, might be a few new kids coming in. And even in the same class, friendships group can kind of shift a little bit. So always talk about it as a positive. Yes, so that is a key factor there because you are reducing anxiety when you introduce it now and that's a really good suggestion. Don't leave it till the day before the 94. Start preparing for it now. That thing about, uh, you know, leaving them off and reassuring them, especially the littlies, that you'll be there to collect them. It is crucial that you're not running late, isn't it? Oh, Jerry, that honestly, it really is. And, you know, even before you go out the door in the morning, I always say to parents, if if your household is calm, even for when you get up in the morning, get up that little bit earlier, if your house is a calm house in the morning, if you are a calm presence in the morning, the children will take your lead. So even getting stuff ready the night before, I can include them. Like, a school uniform, if they have a uniform, get that all laid out the night before. If they don't, get them choose the clothes they need, any extracurricular stuff, even the lunches. If they're not prepared the night before, decide what they're taking. Doing all this night before makes it calm, and then getting back on time as well, so you're, you're coming on time. And you know what I must say as well, Gary? You know what really helps? If anyone has a little one that is has a bit of separation anxiety, Good by rituals can help. So before they start, talk about having a little, maybe like a secret handshake, you know, like to have a little, you know, you wave your hands, you do a little high five, little nose kisses, little, you know, even little things like a alligator, in a vile crocodile, a little secret way of saying goodbye to them really helps them separate because it makes the separation into um, a little funny thing that you're doing between the two of you. Mm. Um, and it makes it much easier for them, for the little ones who struggle to say goodbye to you. Um, it can really help. And, you know, that is often that parting moment, one where it really gets the parent or whoever is leaving the child off. If there are tears, it's best really just to do that as uh, nicely as possible and walk away. Hanging round, hanging on doesn't do any good. And teachers don't want that, don't they not? They're really? They don't, Sherry. And do you know why they don't? Because, just as I said a moment ago, children feed off us. So they take their lead from us. Mm. So say say I have a child who's nervous and they're anxious and they're starting to get a little bit tearful at the thought of going into school. If I start to get tearful, what am I telling them? I'm kind of telling them, oh, you're right to be anxious. Look at me. I'm about to cry at you going in there. So you're nearly implying that you know, school is a bad place. Instead, if they see you be really calm. I've spoken to you about a few tips before, but I must just tell you this little tip. If anyone has a little one that is that does struggle when you're separating. There's something called pebble in my pocket. So you can get out to the beach if you can over the weekend and and try and get two little pebbles. If you can't, if you're not near the beach, your back garden. Get two little pebbles. Or sometimes kids like you know in the health food shops the way they send fellows or gemstones. Yes. It doesn't matter what it is, but a little pebble and two very similar, okay? So you say to the child, you keep one in your pocket or in your pencil case while you're in school. I'm going to keep one in my pocket the whole time you're there. So when we're separating, we give our pebbles a little squeeze. You keep yours. 
I keep mine. And any time, if you miss me in school, if you're feeling a little nervous, you squeeze that little pedal. And especially for younger children who they, they depend on really concrete things. So it's a very concrete reminder of their connection, if you like. That can make all the difference. Or even if the pebble doesn't work, having a little photograph of the family or a little hanky with your aftershave, even spraying your aftershave on the wrist or your perfume on the wrist, and they have that little smell of you, and it just it, it just makes them feel safety. It makes them feel they're not so separated from you. They know you're coming back. It's funny, Jerry. The little things can make such a difference to younger children. Oh, they are lovely words of advice there, and uh, you can see the way uh, it, it will reassure those little minds as well. And I suppose then, when they get started and they get going, because I know families say an only child going yeah. to school for the first time that may have been cosseted. Now, today you have to say most of them do Montessori or play school before they go now. So really, in a way, there's a preparation, but there. There are some children, you know, who are more cosseted than others and the parents are over anxious. What do you say to the parent there? Oh, and again, you see, and it is sometimes, isn't it? And as you say, for most of our children, they've had two years now with, they call it the free preschool year now, it's not a year, it's only a few hours every day, but they've had that. Mm. So they had two years of that, and what have they done in those years? They have developed their independence, they've developed their communication skills, they've developed their self-esteem, you know, their confidence, so all this has, has started. Friendships, as you say, are important. A little hand to hold makes all the difference. So they're probably going in with friends they've already known from preschool, yes. or maybe friends from the road or whatever. So very often, they're doing that company. So I would say if it is for um, the parents and you're feeling that little bit, can you know, it's natural to feel a little bit nervous when you, particularly your eldest is going in and it's first time. It is only natural. But just think to yourself, take a few slow, deep breaths and think, I am going to show them confidence. I'm going to show them absolute confidence. And you're letting them know, no matter what you're feeling, you're letting them know that school is a positive place. And that you know they're strong and they're capable, they're able for it. And maybe arrange to meet a friend for a coffee or meet your mum or whoever it might be. But you know, look after yourself. If you are nervous yourself, make sure that you're not going home to the empty house and to be sitting there feeling worried. Make sure you even get out for a walk. You know, do but do something to take your mind off it if you're worried at all while they're there. Now, let's tip on because we want to have a word uh, before we finish about secondary school, where children are making the move from the primary level to secondary. They're older at that stage. They're maturing. They're heading into their teens. But for some, you can, you know this yourself, Mary, rural schools coming into maybe a bigger town and a larger secondary school, they will have some friends with them. But it is a big transition as well. What words uh, of advice have you for parents making that change? Yeah, this is a big one, Jerry, and I think you've hit the nail on the head. For most of us who experience this advantage, you're coming from this little school, this place where you're, it's just the big fish in the little pond, and then suddenly you're the little fish in this huge big pond, and it is, it's a huge transition. In fact, I should say, Jerry, I've posted on social media on and lots of advice on starting secondary school and on primary school, so I'm upset up there. But my advice for parents is, first of all, again, the morning routine that I already said, the morning routine is really important for the secondary school group as well because of lockers. They, they get in early, they get to their locker early. Really encourage independence. As a parent, when they're making that transition, sometimes we want to jump in and fix everything for them. This is a time to step a little bit, let them take more responsibility for themselves, for their learning homework from when they start, help them to, with their time management, help them devise a little plan to spread out the homework, because otherwise they might leave that weekly homework all to the last minute. But what I would say to parents, our teens are probably more resilient than we think. Try not to worry. It's really common to take time to settle. That's absolutely natural. Remind them of their strength so far. Remind them of their achievements. You know, remind them what a good friend they are. Remind them of that you know, their their social skills. Remind them of all their strengths as they go in. And also really important for secondary school for parents. Remember, it's not about academics. It's really not. Their mental health is so much more important than their academics. Focus on the well being, their self esteem. 
connection, connection with them is everything. Try to be there if you can at all when they come in. Make sure they know I'm here to talk. I'm here to listen. Whether you're excited, you're worried, you're anxious, all of these emotions are fine. But I am here for you as you're making that transition. It's the most important thing that you can do for them, your connection with them. Uh, and I take it the crying's over at that stage, which we mentioned earlier at the school gates when they're only going in in, in, in uh, first uh, day in primary school. That shouldn't be a, a matter at all. But look, o- overall for both uh, primary school starting, secondary school transition, there are bumps in the road. You'll have had them if they've been through the primary school. You will encounter them again in the secondary school. And Mary, it is about, uh, what would you say, getting over those bumps, isn't it? That's what it's really all about. Jerry, it is. And the vast majority of them, they, they might have little blips from the beginning. And it is natural. Do you know what I mean, Jerry? I think COVID over the last two years, they missed out on or every age group, have missed out on some of the socialization that they would have had. So we're seeing sort of higher levels of separation anxiety. Jerry, it's normal. I'd say to parents, genuinely is normal. Mm. Give them a few weeks. Just absolutely try and be there to them. Be as kind to them as you can. Let them know, I'm here for you while you're making this change. But honestly, try and remain confident yourself because they are so much more resilient often than we realise. And they just take that few weeks. And next thing you know, no matter what age they are, they're running in that door and they're not looking back for one moment and you're still feeling cheerful at the gate and they're gone and happy and they're settled. Mary, you're fantastic. And do check out Mary. She has posted about this on social media. If you just Google Dr. Mary O'Kane, you'll find it yourself. And there's some very interesting advice there laid out brilliantly, may I say. You're always so good to us. I thank you for joining me again on the show, Mary. Lovely chatting to Jerry. Take care. Take bye. care yourself. Bye bye. That's Dr. Mary O'Kane, their lecturer in psychology and early childhood learning with Minute University. And that book, I say it again, I, re- I remember it came out first and I interviewed her and I enjoyed it so much. Perfectly Imperfect Parenting is a great book by Mary. John says he went to school, Louise, for a year on his daddy's bike before he went into school. <laughs> oh, I think that's. Oh, poor John. <laughs> the guards would be at his house today. <laughs> you wouldn't have a chance, John. They'd have you. Oh, they'd have you in minutes a year. Holy moly, indeed. Uh, did you see Laura Whitmore is gone from... Yeah. You know what? Love Island. <laughs> yeah, gone. She Are has her surprised? own new series. Mm. Um, yes and no. I thought she would be there. Um, I think we talked about it before. She was a little bit... Too, she tried to be too much like Caroline Flack, I think, mm. rather than being herself. I see uh, Maura um, Higgins is in the frame. Well, in great. the media frame, Maura Higgins. For yeah. Do you think so? Yes. No, maybe? Yes. Do you think she's... Yes. Yeah, okay, there you go. We could crack. Could be an Irish girl. And will your man still be there? My mate, tomorrow night. Oh, he has to be. I'll stop oh, watching it if he's gone. <laughs> Mind <laughs> you, I can just listen to you now, can't I? Stop, I keep... I keep she, Louise keeps lagging me. You're saying that. You're now... It's in your DNA. You're just like your man in Love Island every time you say tomorrow. But anyway... Bet <laughs> she'll say it now at half three. I will. There's another change. Isn't there another change coming on TV, uh, Dancing with the Stars here Mickey in Ireland? Byrne is gone. Is he? Yeah. Well, that's understandable. He's touring with Westland. Yes, yes, Who yes. do you think there would take his place? Oh, I'm sure having a clue. Anyway, for me, never... You're not hiding a big secret. You're not going to do it now with all your um, experience <laughs> on watching the BBC no, version. You see, no, you see, that's where it's going to come to because it's nearly time. It's nearly time for Strictly Come Dancing, which is my number one when it comes to those shows. Um, yes, it's back strictly on the 17th of September. The lineup is confirmed and uh, 20 years. It's the 20th mm. year of the show. Incredible, isn't it? Incredible yeah. to think that where that time is gone. How long and does that last? How many it'll weeks? It'll start in September. They'll have the initial show introducing the couples on the 17th. I, they break then, I think, for a week or two and then it goes full throttle to Christmas oh. right up to Christmas is it, is it not you know thinking oh it's a sign of dreary winter nights and it's what keeps people going on winter nights I know people who just adore Strictly Come Dancing they watch the show every evening they follow it on social media the Saturday show the Sunday show oh they just live for it and love it and actually go to see it they go over to the UK and watch the live shows as well it is huge anyway Strictly mm. coming your 
way soon but coming your Tomorrow. way <laughs> <laughs> coming your way on the uh, way to news weather and sport at 3 o'clock it's ABBA Mamma Mia we can't wait for Strictly The Late Lunch Artist of the Week Artist of the Week Roxy Music it is this week and their 1980 album Flesh and Blood was a huge success making number one on the UK album charts and delivering not one, not two, but three hit singles. In 81, just as a sort of a one-off, they recorded Jealous Guy, a cover of the John Lennon original and it was a tribute to him, yes, from uh, the band and it became Roxy Music's only number one single. They only had one number one in March 1981. Their eighth and final album followed in 82. It was called Avalon and the band toured extensively to promote it and reprise their raft of previous hits. Before 1983, Brian Ferry dissolved the band. They did return and reunite many years later in 2001 to mark the 30th anniversary of their formation. Um, And they took on another tour at that stage that saw fans old and new flock to see them live and by God the new fans realised what they were all about. They've come together on and off since and more recently in March 2019 they were finally inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at a ceremony in New York City where they delivered an absolutely amazing six song set. Yes, the boys still got it for sure. Today it's 1980 from that Flesh and Blood album and another top five hit for my artist of the week, Roxy Music. Roxy Music, my artist of the week and over you on your late lunch this Thursday afternoon. And we'll round off the week of Roxy tomorrow on late lunch roundabout this time. My next guest is five years of age. And when I tell you, she's all excited because she is the face of this year's Brown Thomas Christmas campaign. Fia Kerley's with me next. It seems criminal to be talking about it, but it's underway. Yes, the Brown Thomas Christmas shop has opened. It opened in recent days and the run into Christmas is on the way. It's hard to believe and we're still in late August and school's only going back. But each year they really do promote the Christmas shop and it's a wonderful, wonderful place. And uh, in recent days they had the official launch and a little girl from Dundalk is the face of Brown Thomas this Christmas time and I'm going to talk to her in a moment but first I want to say hello to our mammy Carrie Curley. Hello Carrie. Hello, how are you? I'm really good. Well, I just want to say this to you. Your daughter is beautiful. She really, really is. Tell us how this happened for her, ma'am. Um, well, about three years ago, we, um, we, me and my husband were just on Facebook and we seen this opening day was up in Dublin for Andrea Roach and she does two-year photographs and she displays them up on our website for the whole year. Um, me and Stephen were saying, sure, we'll, we'll go up for the day and make a big day out of it before and get lovely photographs because we'll get them ourselves, you know, just mm. to have. So literally, that was it. We'd done it that day. She actually, to be honest with you, didn't even stand for a photograph. Mm. We were laughing when we came out. But there was no more about it. The photographs are up on the website, and that was it. I never, ever heard a thing. It would be like three years ago now. And um, we were just in Donegal last week, and I randomly just got an email to say, from Andrea Roach's agency, saying, hi, I hope you're well. Um, any chance see you might be available for a possible photo shoot on Thursday. I was like, oh, this is great. So we anyway, we had to send updated photographs of her, done that. And then they replied to me then that evening then to say, yeah, that the photos I got that Brian Thomas wanted to have her. But at that stage, we knew nothing about, like, what it was for or it was just getting a photo. I thought maybe she just had to put on a wee dress and, you know, that would be that. But then when we were up then that morning, it was like, no, it's the, the big show, the big <laughs> Christmas deal, the Brian Thomas, so it was deadly. <laughs> and, of course, Theodora Sutra was the adult yes, uh, yeah, face of right. it. And yeah. there's lovely selection of pictures of Fia and herself and all that yeah. type of thing it as well. Lovely, mate. It was yeah. really nice. What a surprise. 
Yeah, oh, it was great. So she's the God lover. Like, she's going around everyone that sees her. I was like, I saw you in the paper. I saw you on on social media, online. And she's just, we were, she's beaming. It's like, I can't believe that's me. <laughs> yeah. she, look, she's mad to talk. Put her on to me there. Really? Is, yeah. yeah. I'll pass her over. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Lovely. Lovely. Hello, Fia. Hi. Hi. How Hi. are you? Oh Good. my! Oh my! Aren't you the luckiest girl in Ireland, Fia? Yeah. <laughs> and tell me about last week in Brown Thomas. What happened? What did you love about it? Is I was loving the photos, but I, I there was loads of stuff there to see, but I liked them very much. Did you? I liked. Yeah, and I like to do dresses. Oh, yes, and you looked beautiful in the dresses. And there were loads of things in the shop. What did you like best? Did you see something that you'd like to get from Santa Claus? Um, so, I was holding... I uh, So, I want um, a, a little teddy. Yes. And, and um, a unicorn, a sugar ball. Oh my, oh my, you you know what you want. And are you going to write a letter to Santa? Yes. Oh, make sure you do because he loves those letters and he needs to know what you actually want. But the the, the pictures and all the people that were around you, were you nervous at all or were you just excited? Yeah. Ex- excited, were you? Yeah. Excited for the whole thing. I was excited. Oh, excited is right. And tell me this, are you are you going back to school next week? No, we're, I'm going back uh, this Monday. This coming Monday. And what school will you be going to? Um, I'll be still in base day to senior. Lovely. So you're in senior infants now, are you? Yeah. And do you, who who will your teacher be this year? In the Savage. Lovely. And will I tell you, Fia, when you go back into school on Monday, sure, they're all going to be looking for your autograph and your photograph because you're so famous now. Are you ready for that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure you are. I'm sure you're ready. And as you said, you saw your picture all over the newspapers, on social media. Isn't that great? Yeah. Yeah. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Put me back to your mum there a second, will you? Thank you. Not at all. Lovely to chat to you today. Bye. Bye. <laughs> ah, she's lovely. She's l- lovely, honestly. <laughs> I know, and I can see that she's certainly not. But yeah. I, I can only imagine the excitement with our friends and all oh, the... she's delighted. And yeah. even like our little friends are being so nice when we come home. I'd say their mammies and daddies must have been showing them things that were being shared on social media and they were coming up to the window and they're like, Fia, Fia, you're famous. We saw you. You're all over the paper and everything and she was just like wow it's me <laughs> yes it is her and it's going to be her from now till Christmas time all yeah. over the place promoting know, the shop oh, <laughs> I'll tell you this she's a picture she really is you should be Thank so you. proud of her and I know yourself and Steve and all the family are as oh, well oh yeah we are surely it's great it's, I'm delighted for her it's great it is and make sure I know you will that she gets that letter done that's very important oh absolutely oh. sure it was the top um, conversation <laughs> on the way down the road then for our brothers then when she came in the door too it's Christmas 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 uh, <laughs> Lord Almighty it's starting early in the, yeah. the Curly household for sure Definitely. this year anyway <laughs> we're, we're thrilled for you and it's a great honour it really is and thanks, thanks so for much. joining me today thank you very much not at all take care all of yourself right. bye 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 Fia bye Carrie take care of yourselves there you go so when you see that little lovely face it is Fia Curly from Dundalk, the face of Brown Thomas uh, for this Christmas time. Anyway, that's our lot on late lunch today. Tomorrow on the show, Nikki Kyle will be with us ahead of the totally terrific Tomato Festival. And she also has some very important words to do, to say to us about food security. It's Book Club Friday with Irene Gahan, our book of the month. And we have book giveaways. Yes, we have indeed tomorrow. Irene from uh, the uh, Southside Shopping Centre there in Academy Books. Uh, Rick Cronje, the the wine tomorrow David Sheen runs the rule over sport we've your comedy and TV theme can we do it in two hours yes we can tomorrow Eddie Caffrey's on his way with the drive now but we leave you this afternoon on late lunch in the company of Tom Grennan see you tomorrow 1.30 millions of hours become days your pictures that keep me away LMFM
Slam FM podcasts. With CNC Carpets, we bring the showroom to you. Or book a new showroom appointment on 87 A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does, they charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.